If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Hey, Vinny Pasquantino week has begun. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Monday. Not Monday. Tuesday, July Tuesday. 12th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White. Today on the show, the Royals rookies put on a show. Lance Lynn was yucky once again. Players who have slowed down. I have a whole slew of hitters. What do we do with guys like Taylor Ward who have really slowed down over the past month or so? And Team Name Tuesday, which is Scott and myself. So that should be a lot of fun as always. How's it going, Scotty? Oh, good. I'm just here celebrating the Vinny Pasquantino coming out party. That's right. Day one. Day one. And already it feels like a win. It does indeed, which will bring us to Oh My Goodness Gracious. Oh, my goodness. All right, I mentioned Vinny Pasquantino week. It has begun. It has begun. I feel like I just played two sound bites too close to each other, Scott. Are, is, are there rules for playing sound bites too frequently? I don't know. I didn't recognize that second. Who? What was that? That's from. Begun. That's from the Mortal Kombat movie back in the nineties. Okay. Did you ever see it? I did. I did see that once. Yes. Yeah. I watched it way too many times growing up. Big Mortal Kombat <laughs> fan. Not not that I was great at the video game or anything, but the movie, the original, was great. Yeah, the, this one that came out like two years ago, last year, not so good. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Vinny Pasquantino, Scott, because he was awesome on Monday. Yeah, he was. So this was doubleheader day. This is the day that gave the Royals an eight-game week, and uh, Pasquantino was good in both of those games. Overall, he went... Four for seven, he hit his second home run, he walked twice, he also struck out twice, but you know, nine plate appearances, that's, that's bound to happen. He was great, he was great, he's been hitting the ball hard along, the plate discipline's been good all along, uh, it's nice to see him get over the Mendoza line, and I think it is the start of big things for old Vinnie P, Vinny P the Italian breakfast, as some might call him. And uh, I, for one, am excited about it. I keep getting the, the Vinny Pasquantino or Alex Kirilov question. You know how much I love Kirilov, but... It's tough. No, I, I, I think it's Vinny P. I yeah, do. you think so? Just, just for, if nothing else, for plate discipline reasons. Uh, yep. You know, it's, it's even easier in a points league because of all the points he's going to gain on that. I mean, Kirilov, he, he was walking a lot in the latest stint at AAA, but that's not something he has a, a long track record of doing, whether you're looking in the majors or the minors. So I think uh, I think he might actually be hurt by it while Pasquantino has helped. But in terms of what kind of hitters they profile as, what, what they're going to do with the contact they make, I think they're very similar. I feel bad because I feel like I, for one, keep flip-flopping between Kirilov and Pasquantino. There's a lot to like for both big prospects and strong plate discipline, hit the ball hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, Vinny P, we've referenced it a few times now, as as well as he's um, hitting the ball, as hard as he's hitting the ball, it hasn't really come to fruition until Monday, obviously. So massive day for him. Scott is taking Vinny P over Kirilov. 
Would you drop, hmm, would you drop like Max Muncy for Vinny Pasquantino at this point? I believe I would. I believe I would, Frank. I think so I too. Am, I am pretty much out on Muncy. I think he's just messed up, probably because of the elbow. I mean, the fact that he had a an IL stint a few weeks back for it after, uh, you know, avoiding surgery in the offseason. So pretty much a dead giveaway. There, there are some leagues where, you know, the fact he's eligible at second base, third base, two weak positions, you know, you can't help but hang on and, and hope for the best. But it is a thin hope at this point for Max Muncy, as far as I'm concerned. Last one, Scott. Andrew Vaughn or Vinny Pasquantino? Mm, you know what? I'm going to say Pasquantino. Yeah. Not that I don't like Vaughn, but I'll take Vinny P. I think it's really, really close between Pasquantino, Kirilov, and, and Vaughn. For, again, for obvious reasons, all you know, either former or current top prospects in the game and lots to like for each of them. But I think Pasquantino just I was watching the game earlier today and he blasted a home run um, to right field. It was like over 400 feet. By the way, he has two home runs in his career so far. They both come off Michael Pineda. They were both in the fourth <laughs> innings of those games. Like that is just mm. the most random thing that has happened. Um, and then his next time up. He's got a runner in scoring position, and he goes the opposite way, line drive. I'm just like, the approach looks so good right now for Vinny P. So I I, I think I agree. I, I, I'm i going to take Vinny Pasquantino over both Kirloff and uh, Andrew Vaughn myself. Let's talk about his teammate. Oh, my goodness gracious for me, Bobby Wood Jr. I mean, have yourself a doubleheader as well. Six hits, two runs scored, three RBI, three steals across the two games. Now has 12 homers and 16 steals total on the season. And if you remember... Got off to a very, very slow start. April 21st, he's dropped in the order by the Kansas City Royals. Since then, obviously, I mean, this has been the majority of the season. He's betting 269 and since then has obviously moved back up the lineup. But, I mean, we're talking about, Scott, a near 270 hitter on a 25 homer, 30 steal pace since April 21st. I, this guy is... Not in points leagues yet because there's some plate discipline concerns. He doesn't walk all that much, but... In terms of Roto, he is the fastest player in baseball right now. 100th percentile in sprint speed. He's got the pop. I, I know we're going to have a podcast coming up soon where we redraft you know, the, the first two rounds for the rest of the season. I don't think Bobby Witt Jr. is in that mix yet, but like, I kind of think in Roto leagues, he's, he's knocking on that door. What do you think? Well, especially because he's third base eligible and it, it was, uh, you know, I was starting to put together the article that's going to correspond with that podcast uh redrafting the first two rounds for the second half basically and i kind of was tempted to make the first round all outfielders and third basemen <laughs> because like the drop off at both of those positions is so steep like there are great great options at the top and if you don't get those you're kind of just you're out of luck you know I didn't ultimately do that. I mean, Trey Turner obviously has to be in the first round and is not an outfielder or a third baseman. But the temptation was there. And and so Bobby Wood is one of those. I, I didn't really consider him for the first two rounds, but he's one of those third base eligible players who uh, who is kind of, you know, bridging the divide between the haves and the have-nots. Uh, I was just checking to see, did he get, because he's played almost exclusively shortstop since Adalberto Mondesi. Well, maybe a little later than that. But he started playing shortstop more regularly than third base. But he has already secured third base eligibility for next season as well. So that's something that's going to... Let's go. Yeah, that's that's still going to be there for Witt next year. All right. I know... You know, many people made this comp while Bobby Witt Jr. was in the minors. Uh, Trevor Story, we heard a lot. You know, Story, 30 homers, 20 steals. I think Bo Bichette, like last year, you know, Bo Bichette's like ceiling season is something like what we could see out of uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Once he really gets going, you know, in his prime, maybe 30 homers, 30 steals, something like that. I, I think he's just going to be absolutely awesome. And uh, we've really seen that basically since the uh, the middle of April until now. Not really anything else to do, just, you know, bask in his greatness if you have him on your fantasy team. Let's check in on a few more prospects, something we did last week, but uh, we didn't talk about some of these names. Riley Green went two for four on Monday and has consistently been leading off for the Detroit Tigers the past few weeks. He's batting 256 with a 703 OPS overall that seems underwhelming, but he's doing so with a 13% walk rate, 
20% strikeout rate. That's definitely manageable. And his expected numbers are much better. 299 XBA, 500 X slug. Uh, does put the ball on the ground a little bit too much, Scott. But uh, what have you seen overall from Riley Green to this point? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about him too. We haven't talked about him as much. But the plate discipline has been impressive for him as well. Getting moved to the leadoff spot already has been impressive. Uh, he was my number two sleeper hitter for this week. He didn't start both games of the doubleheader, unfortunately. So he didn't have as big of a day as Pasquantino did on the other side. But but yeah, I would say uh, I would say Riley Green should be rostered in, in just about all leagues, even in like a 12-team, three-outfielder points league. Uh, I know I have him in one of those and haven't given much thought to dropping him. So I would say, uh, yeah, I would say... Better days are ahead for Riley Green, too. All right. Well, I don't know if uh, you can get much better than what Nolan Jones has done so far to start his MLB career. He is scorching hot. His first four games, he now has seven hits and eight RBI. Had another big game here on Monday. Two more hits, including a double that was 110 miles per hour off the bat. Still just 31% rostered. We don't know if he's going to play against Mm left-handed pitching. Uh, He has not faced a lefty starter yet. But Scott, I mean, given this third base eligibility, he's going to gain outfield eligibility. 31% rostered. Yep. I don't want to overreact to just four games, but that seems too low. Well, it's gone up a lot just in a day. It basically doubled. So that's interesting. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I've been less than, uh, less than enthusiastic about Nolan Jones. And I put in some pretty modest bids for him. Uh, pretty much all my league's you know, they just have one weekly run of waivers and it's Sunday night just because it's hard to manage 12 teams if you don't do that. So, you know, it was my one time to to make a bid on Nolan Jones. My bids were pretty modest and yet I won him in a couple of those leagues, which surprised me. So I guess I wasn't alone in being skeptical. I, I think he is going to have trouble with strikeouts, even though he hasn't yet. And... You know, is he going to remain impactful enough on the contact he makes to overcome that? Potentially. But it remains to be seen. It also remains to be seen if he's going to start against left-handers. The Guardians haven't faced one since he got called up, and I I don't think they're scheduled to face any this week. So that's a question we're going to wonder about for a long time with Nolan Jones. But yeah, every time he goes out and has a big game, I'm, I'm all the more interested in him. You mentioned third base eligibility, picking up outfield. Those are the two positions I was saying where those steep drop-offs are and where you're probably, you're most likely to be hurting at those two positions. So it's it makes Nolan Jones a pretty handy player if he can come through. Scott, let's say you play in a shallow league. Would you drop someone like Brian Hayes for Nolan Jones? Brian Hayes, 88% rostered still. Yeah, and it, he, he stole a base today. I think that gives him how many stolen bases now? I think that's 10 for the season. 10 to go along with like, two homers right <laughs> yeah it's not many he's he's a he's got, vexing he's got four player. homers four homers and 10 four. steals he's okay. batting 250 overall i sold him short but the point is he's on pace for single digit home runs as could brian hayes even though he impacts the ball well I and mean, the exit velocity is high he makes a lot of contact just apparently not at the right angles to get the most out of it and um he's he's kind of just picked up where he left off last year which isn't a good thing so unless unless it's a deep roto league where you're you're straining for every stolen base you could get, I think I'd be willing to swap out Hayes for Jones at this point, just chasing the upside. Because I'm not seeing a lot of upside for Hayes, at least not without some not without some swing changes that maybe he could make in the future. Last prospect I wanted to ask you about here, C.J. Abrams, who went two for four with his second home run of the season on Monday. I think he likes playing in Coors Field. It was a bomb. He 427 feet, and he knew it immediately. 19 games since being recalled. He's batting 286. That one home run, of course. Three doubles, zero walks, zero steals. Not hitting the ball that hard. Uh, he's 34% rostered, Scott. I mean, does that number sound right? Should it be higher? I like that he's hitting for batting average, but just not really providing much else. And he's not starting against lefties either. And the Padres had four of those on the schedule this week. So I'm seeing enough 
glimmers here for for CJ Abrams that I I have him rostered I think in all of my 15 team roto leagues uh, and maybe even a 12 team roto league just in the hope he gets more regular playing time, he gets more consistent at the plate, and he starts running. I mean, that's a that's a lot of hope on top of hope, right? But I, <laughs> it's the the weirdest thing for me is that C.J. Abrams with his eighty grade speed is not running at all. Like that's that's the main thing I expected him to contribute. So I, until he does that, it's going to be hard to to endorse him in fantasy, even if he does start getting the batting average up. Let's talk about some other waiver wire hitters in the shallowest of leagues. Fran Mil Reyes went three for four on Monday with his first stolen base. Not that we're expecting any speed out of him. But since returning 19 games, he's batting 270 with five home runs. That is a 39 home run pace over 150 games, which is basically what we're, uh, we're expecting for Fran Mil Reyes. He is uh, 75% rostered. Scott, do you think this number needs to get back up to universal? Like, you know, 90 plus, closer to 100%. No. No, I don't think so. I mean, yep. just just because of the points leagues, you right. know that Framil Reyes with that strikeout rate is just I feel like unapproachable in that scoring format, unless it's especially deep, of course. All right. What about Ramon Laureano, who went two for five, hit his seventh home run, and over his last eighteen games, he's batting two sixty five. He's got five homers, three steals. Striking out quite a bit, but also does have eight walks during that time. Uh, the barrel rate during these last 18 games, 18%. It's very good. And I think he's likely to be traded. So could wind up uh, on a better team, better offense, more opportunities. He's only 49% rostered, Scott. I feel like that number is a little bit low based on uh, what we've seen Loreano do in the past. Well, what have we seen him do in the past? Just power-speed combination. And, and if he's walking this much, it, it could help in points leagues. Well... I guess the walk rate is better than we're used to seeing from him. I, I don't think he's going to be like a walk, a, a guy who walks a lot though. And, you know, in terms of the power speed he's provided, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're interested in Ramon Laureano, you should probably be interested in Aaron Hicks as well. Cause it's like 15, 15 guy, maybe. And I don't think that many people are interested in Aaron Hicks. So I don't know. I'm not that excited about him. Scotty, I think you're selling Loreano a little bit short here, man. 14 homers, 12 steals in 88 games last year. Yeah. That's in in 88 games. Good. He hit 246. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't sound like Aaron Hicks to you. That's that's almost like a 25 homer, 20 steal pace over a yeah, full season. It's a pretty good ball player. But the year before, six home runs and 54 ah, games. Come on, that's I a mean, short like, season. You know, that doesn't you, count. You, you, you pick out the best 88-game stretch. <laughs> I mean, even 2019, Sky, it was you know, 123 games, 24 homers, 13 steals, 288. Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome, 2019, too. it did look like Ramon Laureano could become a special rotisserie player. But that was 2019, where everybody hit a career-high in home runs, basically. Seems sure. like. All right. So, I don't know. I, I think he's pretty fringy. Hey, Scott's not buying Loriano as much as I am, but I'm I'm pretty excited about Razor Ramon Loriano. I know I keep mentioning this player, but what do you think, Scott? I mean, do we do we need to do anything with this? Yandy Diaz, he went three for three with two doubles, three runs, three RBI. It's a pretty massive game here. He's been consistently leading off for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's only 32% rostered. He's batting 307 with a 418 OBP. What do you think? He's a better real-life player than fantasy player, I would say. There's just, you know, he, he's batting over 500 in, in July with no home runs. Does have some doubles. He walks more than he strikes out. I mean, he, obviously a more valuable player in points leagues than than Roto is Yandy Diaz, but points leagues tend to have smaller roster sizes, so I, I still don't think in standard-sized leagues you're going to get much use out of him. All right, how about in deeper leagues? Do these names excite you at all, Scott? Jonathan Aranda with the Tampa Bay Rays. He went two for four with an RBI. He had two batted balls over 101 miles per hour exit velocity. One of them was 108. He's only 5% rostered. He's a lefty, so I assume that means he's going to be in a platoon as long as he's with Tampa. And then uh, Leody Tavares has some interesting things going on right now. He went three for four with two doubles. His second stolen base, he's batting 317 overall. Not playing every day yet, but he is playing well when he gets an opportunity. 4% rostered there. What do you think, Scott, in deeper leagues? Aranda, Leody Tavares. 
I mean, in, in a deeper league, they're at least worth keeping an eye on. We've seen, even at the major league level, Tavares be a pretty good base dealer and not do much else. He's hitting well so far this year and was hitting better than we're used to seeing at, at AAA as well. But the plate discipline's still pretty awful. And he's putting the ball in the air a lot, but if that's if they're not going over the fence, that's going to be more of a detriment than a help. So I'm still pretty skeptical, but worth keeping an eye on because of the speed there for Leody Tavares. All right. Uh, anything on Aranda? I mean, there we haven't seen a lot yet. He showed good contact skills in the minors with a little bit of pop, but uh, you know that's a that's a difficult profile for finding regular bats, particularly on the Rays, a team like the Rays, and and in this environment where home runs don't come as easily. So, yeah, I mean. I, I have a hard time seeing Jonathan Aranda be like a standard 12-team guy. I just don't know that he has the ceiling for that or is going to get the chances for that. But, you know, keep an eye on him. There's there's some skill there for sure. All right, what do we do with these pitchers? It's time. Let's talk about Lance Lynn. If you started him in any type of roto or head-to-head categories league, I am sorry for what he did to your ratios. That's an 18.0 ERA, 2.75 whip here on Monday. He gave up eight runs. <laughs> what happened there? I almost just, <laughs> I almost lost it. Eight runs on nine hits and two walks over four innings pitched against the Cleveland Guardians. Fastball velocity remains an issue, Scott. 92.5 miles per hour here for Lance Lynn. Last year, he averaged 94 and... I feel like it matters even more for him because he relies so heavily on his fastball. Uh, the ERA overall is uh, up near seven now. What are you thinking with uh, Lance Lynn? I don't know that I'm as concerned about the velocity. I mean, obviously these results are bad. And, you know, if, if his second start goes this week goes as poorly as his first start, then obviously you're gonna it's going to be another one of those situations like we faced earlier this year with with Charlie Morton or Jose Barrios, where you just have to sit him until he shows signs of coming around. In this start, as bad as it was, average exit velocity against him was only 87 miles per hour. Only one of the nine hits against him was an extra base hit, a double. So, you know, I, I feel like he, uh, it wasn't as bad as it looked for Lance Lynn. But at some points, he, need, he needs to start getting results, and this is two pretty awful starts in a row. I believe his XERA, too, speaking of quality con- of contact, at least coming into this game, it was below four. And, yeah, I mean, that's not a great XERA, but it, it certainly suggests that uh, he hasn't pitched as poorly as the results would suggest. Mm-hmm. Entering the start, he had a 5.33 ERA, 3.90 XERA, according to StatCast. And uh, yeah, you're right, Scott. Like the first inning of this start, he gave up five runs with two outs, all on singles, which, I mean, how often do you see that happen? That many singles like strung together in a row. It just doesn't really happen that often in today's game. So uh, I'm more on the side of like, yeah, buy low on Lance Lynn if you could. But if I have him on my team, I I might already be at the point where I want to bench him and just until he shows me uh, something, anything. Alex Cobb with the most meh quality start against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Six innings, th- uh, six hits, three runs, four walks, four strikeouts, only seven swinging strikes on 100 pitches. Did not have a splitter at all in the start. Only threw 57 pitches, uh, 57 of his 100 pitches for strikes in this one. And the swinging strikes and the strikeouts have actually been way down since returning from the IL. Uh, the ERA, 4.57 overall, but the underlying numbers remain very good, Scott. What do you think about Alex Cobb? 77% rostered. Do you think about maybe dropping him for someone else more enticing? I am surprised he's rostered in that many leagues. It was going into a two-start week, so maybe that explains it. it yeah, I mean, you're right. He, he's Even though the underlying numbers are strong, they haven't been that great since he came back from the IL. So I I just I don't know that I don't know that there's much benefit to stashing him. I'm not saying he can't turn his season around because I that splitter when it's on, particularly with more velocity this year, that's a weapon. That's a real weapon for Alex Cobb. But 
I, I don't know who's going to be clamoring to pick him up if you drop him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're kind of going through a lull right now in terms of waiver wire pitchers, guys. You know, there's no one that's really emerged. Nick Lodolo is kind of interesting, but I don't think oh, there's it's any- a lull. It's it yeah. is a lull. <laughs> like it was nice actually when I was putting in my claims this weekend because you know normally, you know, in some of these leagues, I'm going to have my claims are going to be 30, 40 names long, and uh, not names long, but you know, you got to okay. This is my first choice to drop, but if I've already dropped them for this guy, this is my second choice to drop. And, you know, all the way down this like cascade of, <laughs> of claims, it ends up being, you know, sometimes as many as 70. Yeah. And this week I had in most of my leagues four, you know, like four or five or six, something like that. So it's just, there's, and writing the waiver wire column, man, there's not, it's like everything feels really settled right now. And I know it's not going to remain that way. We're going to have down the stretch whoever this year's Ranger Suarez is, whoever this year's uh, uh, Frank Schwindel is. Mm. Connor Joe was another guy who in the second half last year. Like new, new players are going to emerge, but right now it's a lull. Hey, I look, Nolan Jones is one of those guys. The problem is he can't pitch. So Maybe. we don't yeah. have uh, we don't have many pitchers emerging. But yeah, I mean, there are some some prospect hitters that have uh, gotten called up recently. A prospect pitcher who was called up, who really has not been great so far. Brian Bayo uh, made his second start uh, two in a row against the Tampa Bay Rays. So you don't really love that for a young pitcher having to same, uh, face the same offense in his first two starts. But he allows five runs on seven hits, three walks over four innings pitched. He did rack up five strikeouts, so that was nice to see, but not that many whiffs. Um, you know, CSW not impressive here in this start. He's 50% rostered, Scott. I, I assume that went up because he was projected for two starts, but if you had Brian Bayo, do you maybe look to cut bait after the start? Yes. <laughs> I think he's going to get sent down. I mean, two starts that were that bad. It was weird that, you know, his his... his most used pitches in the first start were the sinker and the changeup, which were the pitches we that heard about the most. Uh, they were, I believe, his third and fourth most used pitches in this one. Like he really changed up his arsenal. The results were all, almost exactly the same. So mm-hmm. a lot of good it did him. But yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like Brian Bayo is uh, is quite up to the task yet. Not that there isn't a lot of talent there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you have the guy in Dynasty, I, I still think you should be very excited sure. about him. But uh, I think Nathan Avaldi is getting ready to return on Friday, and obviously Chris Sale's coming back. So, you know, that unfortunately might uh, bump Bayo from the rotation. All right, I just mentioned there's no waiver wire pitchers. What about the Kellers? It was a huge day for the Kellers on Monday. Brad Keller and Mitch Keller. Uh, Brad Keller posted a season-high eight strikeouts over seven innings of one-run ball against the Detroit Tigers. He had 15 swinging strikes, and he did change his pitch mix in this one. He ditched the sinker, uh, which he normally uses 26% of the time. He only threw 8% in this start, and it helped. He went four seam, he went slider, uh, and his sinker is a pitch that gets hit very, very hard. He's 34% rostered, and then, of course, one of our favorites, Mitch Keller. What's dead may never die. Seven innings, one run, five strikeouts to zero walks, uh, the velocity down across the board. But maybe that helped him command his pitches a little better, Scott. What do you think about this theory? Because he didn't walk anyone in the start, and... That really has been one of the biggest issues in Mitch Keller's career. So, you know, maybe dialing it back a little bit helped him command some of his pitches. Um, eight starts since rejoining the rotation. He's got a 3.88 ERA, which is not great, but, you know, could be serviceable in deeper leagues. The Kellers, do you like any of them? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a theory for why Mitch Keller was performed well in this start. I, I don't know that it's going to be a permanent solution for him. You know, you, you said his velocity was down on everything, and it was. His velocity was down 4.2 miles per hour on average on the slider specifically. Yeah. And it wasn't a sample size thing. Like, he threw the slider more than any other pitch this started. It, it was almost like it was a completely different pitch. But not a lot of whiffs, especially against a Marlins team that strikes out a lot. So, uh, I, I'm kind of tired of talking about Mitch Keller. because <laughs> I get it. I get it. Like this is, if this is as good as it gets, I'm I'm just not, I'm just not moved by it. Particularly since, 
you know, all the, the pitch selection keeps changing and the way the pitches play keeps changing. And it's just, uh, and then he pitches for the pirates to top it all off. So like, true, you have no idea what to expect from Mitch Keller. One start to the next. And even at his best, it's just not that great. What about Brad Keller? I feel like you could just insert everything you just said for Mitch Keller for Brad Keller. Well, I, I think we have a, better idea who brad keller is good ground ball pitcher occasionally he'll surprise you with the strikeouts particularly with a bad team like the tigers against a bad team i should say and so i think he's a serviceable streamer um you know you're kind of playing with fire every time you use him but you know that going in would you drop either alex cobb or brian bayo for either of the kellers I mean, I'd be willing to drop Brian Bayo for pretty much anybody. But for these two, it's just kind of like, why bother? Yeah, no, I get it. All right, before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone that we are a nominee for the best sports podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate all your support and hope that you'll nominate us to advance to the final round. To nominate Fantasy Baseball today, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down the sports category. The whole process takes less than 60 seconds. I did it recently. And it was quick, easy, painless. Uh, and if you're watching us on YouTube, feel free to scan, uh, scan the QR code in the top right, which will bring you right to the website. And we've included the link in the podcast and YouTube descriptions as well. Let's hit the break. And when we return, we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The news and notes. Jacob deGrom will indeed make another rehab start at AAA on Thursday. He's expected to throw at least 50 pitches in that one. I think it uh, seems pretty obvious post-All-Star break. We will get Jacob deGrom. Uh, maybe not right after the All-Star break, but I think soon thereafter. Wander Franco will indeed undergo surgery on Tuesday to repair his hamate bone and is slated to miss five to eight weeks. Scott, do you drop uh, Wander Franco in leagues without IL spots? I think it's something to consider. Five to eight weeks. I mean, the eight weeks is basically the end of the season. So yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm, it's always better to hold on to him, but you just, it leaves without IL spots. You just may have no choice. All right. Kenley Jansen threw a bullpen on Monday and is expected to be activated in the coming days. The A's are hopeful that Frankie Montas will rejoin the rotation this weekend in Houston. He's missed uh, more than a week with a shoulder issue. And they need him to get back on track so that they could trade him for as much as they could possibly get. Chris Bryant was officially placed on the paternity list Monday and will miss one to three games in Coors Field, unfortunately. Brian Reynolds was placed on the IL with a right oblique strain, and uh, the severity of the injury is not yet known. I saw that he left on Sunday, but I, I didn't think it was going to be this serious. But yeah, placed on the IL, unfortunately, for Brian Reynolds. Whit Merrifield said on Monday that he's dealing with swelling and a bone bruise to a ligament in his right big toe and is hopeful to return following the All-Star break. And I believe he had a game streak going, Scott, that was like near 600 games. 
And so Monday was like the first time you miss a game in, I guess that would be what, like three or four years. It's, it's pretty crazy stuff. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of those seasons was 60 games. So maybe even, let's see. When's the last time Whit Merrifield missed a game? 2018. Yeah. June 24th, 2018. 553 consecutive games. That is, that is wild. Um, I don't think Ripken's record was in jeopardy, but yeah, that's impressive. You don't see that a lot these days, especially. Jazz Chisholm was able to play catch from 90 feet on Monday. He's been on the IL since June 29th with a back strain and does not sound like he'll be ready to return right after the All-Star break, but maybe sometime in late July. Brandon Lau could be activated from the IL Friday against the Orioles, and he's been on the IL for nearly two months with a lower back stress reaction. Those Braves, Scotty, they're wheeling and dealing. Another trade on Monday. They sent prospects Drew Waters, Andrew Hoffman, and CJ Alexander to the Royals in exchange for the 35th overall pick in this year's first-year player draft, which is actually coming up on uh, Sunday, this Sunday. And um, once one of the top prospects in the game, you know, Drew Waters, he was batting just 252 with six homers, five steals across 52 games. I don't know. Is there any hope here that maybe he gets an opportunity to play with Kansas City? I mean, it's more likely than it was with Atlanta. I don't know how excited we should be about it. He's got tools, athletic player, but just doesn't has yet, and it's been going on for a while now. Doesn't seem to have the hasn't developed the skills necessary to tap into those tools, and clearly the Braves are. Moving on. They're moving on and going to try their luck with a with a sandwich pick instead. <laughs> Jorge, that's about, that's about the point where they're drafted Drew Waters, actually. 35th overall. He was, one of the, he was in that range of that draft. I, so. He was, yeah, 41st overall. Back in uh, yeah. 2017 was Drew Waters. So. Yep. One of those sandwich picks. I don't know if they're called sandwich picks anymore, but... I think they're like compensatory picks or something like that. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Jorge Soler is starting a rehab assignment at AA on Tuesday. He's been on the IL with pelvis inflammation since July 1st. Jesus Lozardo is scheduled to throw a two-inning live batting practice session on Tuesday. And if that goes well, he could start a rehab assignment soon thereafter. He's been on the IL since May 15th with a left forearm strain. Tyler McGill is set to begin a throwing program on Friday. He's been on the IL since mid-June with a strained right shoulder. Speaking of shoulders, uh, unfortunately, the Cardinals transferred Jack Flaherty to the 60-day IL, which means he cannot return until late August at the earliest. And even then, I don't know how viable or useful Jack Flaherty will be. Jeff McNeil was placed on the paternity list and will miss a few days with the Mets. George Kirby is set to rejoin the Mariners' rotation Following the All-Star break, which we speculated yesterday, uh, Alec Bohm left Monday's game after injuring his finger on a slide into second base and believe that was ruled a dislocated thumb finger. So uh, yep. probably going to miss some time there. And you would think. I don't know if... Do the Phillies have anyone interesting that would fill in, Scott? Probably not, right? What are we gonna no get? fill-ins for the Phillies. The... Uh, the ghost of Scott Kingery <laughs> returning to the Phillies here, potentially. We'll see. Uh, speaking of Bohm, he'll join JT Real Muto, Aaron Nola, and Kyle Gibson on the restricted list when the Phillies head to Toronto on Tuesday. Dane Dunning went to the IL with a right ankle impingement. Evan Longoria is expected to begin a rehab assignment on Thursday. He's been on the IL with a left oblique strain. Uh, Padres prospect, and one that we've mentioned quite a bit on FBT and 5, Esteuri Ruiz, has to be close because a Padres either beat writer or broadcaster accidentally tweeted on Monday that he was getting called up and he's just a name, especially in category leagues that you should be stashing. If you need steals, he's got like 60 steals, 13 homers, 300 batting average. He's 33% roster. The name there, Esteri Ruiz. Uh, how would that happen? What do you mean? Like why, how would, how would somebody accidentally tweet? He was getting called like, I guess I guess we have no idea. It could be any number of reasons. 
yeah, I don't know. I saw the apology. I, I don't have the person's name who tweeted it out, but I saw that they tweeted an apology afterwards and yeah, they messed it up. So I don't know. Okay. Maybe they yeah. got, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. One of their sources told them that he was going to get called up and then, you know, didn't double yeah. check with someone else. But yeah, overall, I think we're close, but you know, just hasn't happened yet. Uh, trade deadline season is approaching and obviously, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll have uh, some big ones closer to uh, that exact deadline, but the Dodgers have talked to the Reds about Luis Castillo. They've had some uh, preliminary talks and I think obviously that would be fantastic for his value getting out of great American ballpark and, and just everything the Dodgers have been able to do with pitchers. I think it would be a nice boon to, uh, Luis Castillo's value. The last news item I saw here uh, just now, uh, Akil Badu will be recalled from uh, AAA on uh, on Tuesday to the Tigers. And uh, he's been very good recently, apparently, batting 300 with three homers, seven seals, over 30 games uh, at Toledo. So just a name to watch in deeper leagues. You know, we've seen Akil Badu have some value in the past. All right, Scott, let's talk about some players who have slowed down recently. What do we do with these guys? Do we stick with them, cut, bench, buy low if they're available, you know, via trade, whatever it might be? Let's talk about Dalton Varsho. Since the start of June, he is batting below 200, 197, four homers, two steals, a 564 OPS, just hitting a lot of ground balls. Pull rate is very mm -hmm. high, so, I mean, those are nearly automatic outs with the shift and, you know, just hitting ground balls right into those. Uh, what do you think? I mean, it's hard to say bench Dalton Varsho just because catcher is so bad, but what do you think about this yeah. recent stretch? Well, you know, the fact that he is catcher eligible saves him. The fact that he plays so much as a catcher eligible player. He hasn't run as much as I hoped he would, but his, his year-to-date production still has him in the must-start range at catcher, and I suspect they'll get hot again. I'm not that worried. All right, let's move over to uh, Tommy Edmond. His last 21 games, he's batting 152 with three extra base hits. Does have four steals during that time, but hitting a lot of ground balls and not making a lot of hard contact. The power has really, really fallen off the map here, Scott. Tommy Edmond, what do you think? You know, he, he has a pretty good track record as a hitter. Not hitting for power, obviously, but I don't think we have to worry about him just dropping off the map and not being a serviceable starter anymore. And we know he's going to steal bases. So he was playing well over his head in the early stages of the season. And I think this is just, uh, you know, the sort of ups and downs that happen over the course of the baseball season. I know I don't think Tommy Edmonds, anybody you need to move on from either. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I know he's really, really slowed down, but it, these are just the ebbs and flows of a baseball season. If you look at his batting average now, 254 overall, the past two seasons, he's been 262 and 250. That's basically right, right. in line with that. I mean, his OPS yep. is below 700. His OPS last year, 695. OPS in 2020, 685. I mean, this is basically who Tommy Edmond is. It's just these are the ebbs and flows of a baseball season. So just sometimes works out that way. Francisco Lindor, he did have three hits on Monday, so nice to see him uh, hopefully start to get back on track. But since the start of June, he's batting just 209. Does have seven homers, so that helps. Uh, he's got two steals during that time, but a 655 OPS, 47% fly ball rate. He doesn't hit the ball that hard, so that leads me to believe just a lot of you know lazy fly balls that are you know turning into easy outs uh -huh. for Lindor and. I mean, Scott, I know this was part of, you know, your concern with him. I, I know the overall line still looks pretty good for Lindor, but what do you think? Yeah, the confirmation bias is kicking in because <laughs> this is, uh, it's it's a premature W, but I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and claim it right now just because I feel like I was alone in, in, in my, uh, my pessimism over Francisco Lindor and my concerns that last year was the start of a new normal for him. Yeah, you know, that's that's compared to a guy who, in his prime, used to be drafted in the first round. So I, it, it's not like in in terms of uh, what you do with him in fantasy, it, it doesn't mean much. It's more of a it's more of something that would have been valuable to know in the preseason when you were drafting and and maybe passing him up at his going rate. But obviously, he's. No, no matter who you are, he's probably the best you can do at shortstop, even if, even if he's on the, um, the downswing right now. 
Yeah, I'll point out like his expected batting average is 260. So, I mean, I think he's probably closer than that to that than the 240 hitter he's been, you know, overall. Uh, and his expected slug is a little bit better than his slugging percentage. So, uh, I think yep. we could see some, you know, positive regression back the other way. But uh, yeah, I would say his batting average is more likely to go up than down from here. But I think he's going to be nothing special in terms of batting average. Mm hmm. You know, the shortstop position in general, Scott, it, it has not been very good. Like, Trey Turner has been fine. He's been Trey Turner. Dansby yeah. Swanson obviously has, you know, unlocked a new level that we've never seen before. He's the second best catcher in both Roto and head-to-head -head points. Uh, and yeah. then Lindor. Lindor is the third best catcher in both formats. And, you know, he's the 32nd overall player in Roto. He's, he's still got 15 homers, nine steals. Counting stats are there for Lindor. But, yeah, it's, it's really just a batting average that, has kind of dragged them down recently. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. And it's putting together these first two rounds for a midseason redraft. You know how many shortstops I have in there? Just one. 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 And you're more likely to play him at second base, Trey Turner. I, I, I yeah. spoiler alert, I clicked, I kicked Bo Bichette out even. And when I go and, and do my rest of season rankings, update them at shortstop, you know, I've, I've held Bo Bichette in the number two spot there behind only Turner just because. At no point does anybody deserve to surpass him, but figuring out who belongs third in my rest of season shortstop rankings has been a season long struggle. I mean, at this point, it might be Corey Seeger because Corey Seeger is now homered in four straight. He's homered in five of six. Yeah. We expected him to regress this direction based on his all his expected stats, which still looked as studly as ever for Corey Seeger. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he's poised for a huge second half. So he might be the third, the shortstop I want third most rest of season. I'm sure he's not anywhere close to that in my rankings because there's this glob of shortstops that we were waiting to, we we're waiting for somebody to stand out mm -hmm. from the pack. And I, I think maybe Seeger's the guy. Yeah. You've got Seeger down at 10. I've got him, oh, geez, 14th. Is that right? Oh, man. <laughs> it looks well, like yeah, I mean, you say you say shortstop is has been bad. It it has a lot of players who are like quality starters, but it hasn't had right. the 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 studs. It may at least they haven't performed like studs, yeah. like they have in the recent past, like we expected them to. Yeah, Bichette's been a letdown. Uh, Xander Bogarts, I think the batting average is fine, but like no power and next to no speed for Xander Bogarts either. And Jazz Chisholm is hurt now. Uh, you know, Semyon has come around too with. Uh, with Corey Seager, but yeah, I think I think I could see yeah. that argument where you know Seager, especially in a points league, he could be the third best uh, shortstop or third ranked shortstop. And you know, honestly, in Roto Scott categories, well, you know, maybe Bobby Witt is in that mix, man. I I I think well, he's climbing. I, I, I was about to say Dansby Swanson. Yeah, like I don't think Dansby Swanson can sustain this over the course of the season because none of the underlying numbers appear to have changed that much, and yet uh, he's been so much more productive. But certainly, I, I I think he's been the second best shortstop this year after Turner, right? In in either format. Yep. Uh, so you know, just from that perspective, if if there aren't any other clear standouts, you could understand putting him in the top five rest of season. I don't think I'm going to, but you know, he's been running a lot more too, and that's that's something that goes beyond you know, regression and all the stuff we normally talk about. If he's willing to run more, then that's that's something he can keep doing. All right, let's run through a few more of these names, hitters, players that have slowed down over the past month or so. Uh, I mentioned Kim Brian Hayes earlier. He, I mean, really since the start of May, he's hitting 226. He's got four homers, eight steals. You know, the, the speed helps, I guess, in categories, but just no pop and the batting average is lower than expected. He hits the ball hard, but everything's on the ground, Scott. So, I mean... Are there any formats where you, you might look into dropping Cabrian Hayes, I guess? Oh, we were just talking about it earlier, right? I, yeah. I think in, in all but deep Roto leagues, it's something to consider. And in those leagues where you're desperate for steals, he gives you enough that you might want to stick with him. But anything else, I, I think Cabrian Hayes on, you know, on the heels of last season, him doing this, I think he's totally dispensable. Alec Thomas, since the start of June, is hitting 229, four homers and four steals. You know, you like that power speed combination, but a 650 OPS, way too many ground balls. I mean, 62% ground ball rate. It just, 
it hampers the 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 power and uh, especially as a lefty, that many ground balls, it's a lot of those are going to turn into outs. So uh, if you picked up Alec Thomas, let's say in a three outfielder league, do you think you can cut bait? Yeah, I mean, obviously he could get hot again, and we could look into him again. There, there's definitely a certain talent level there that could yield good results, but I'm not seeing enough right now in specifically in three outfielder leagues that I feel like you need to stick with them. Five outfielder leagues, you probably are hanging on mm-hmm. just because of the upside and the lack of viable alternatives. What about uh, Taylor Ward? Someone we haven't really uh, talked about much recently, but since returning from the IL in mid-June, he's hitting 245. He's only got two homers, 652 OPS. Still hitting the ball decently hard, right around 90 mile per hour, average exit velocity, lots of line drives. What do you think, Scott? I mean, I'm starting to get some questions. Can I drop Taylor Ward? It would have to be a pretty shallow league. I mean, his per-game production is still so high. Remember, he was ridiculous for the first six weeks or so. He was like the best player in fantasy. So, you know, it's, it's going to take a long time for his numbers to regress to a level where he looks like just an ordinary player. And maybe he is trending that way. I mean, certainly for all of his career up to this year, that's who he was. But I think he's earned the right to to play out the string, so to speak, to to actually see those numbers regress all the way before you turn the page on him because it could just be a cold stretch. It's, you know, he'd been banged up for a while. Maybe he got out of uh, out of rhythm, but he's he's certainly earned the right to get consistent opportunities for the Angels, and that gives him a chance to snap out of it. All right, I was going to ask you about George Springer, but... I'm not actually worried about George Springer at all. So I will ask you about Taylor Rogers. There's this one pitcher involved here. He's allowed runs in five straight outings, including on Monday. And uh, I mean, the ERA is like up over nine, basically over his last 16 games. Underlying numbers still look a little bit better than that, but it's got Taylor Rogers starting to get hit around a little bit here. What do you think about him? And can the Padres maybe, you know, be in the market for a closer if he continues to struggle? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. Obviously, trying to keep pace with the Dodgers. They're going to have to do something to upgrade their team, and, and acquiring a reliever is usually a pretty pretty easy way to do that. So it's possible. You know, he, Taylor Rogers. it's not like he has a long track record of closing. The Twins had him in and out of the role, and I, I feel like he had stretches like this with the Twins, too, that probably contributed to him not being a true closer for much of his time there. Uh, so it's possible. I, I don't think they have, let's see, I'm pulling up their their stats now. If there's anyone else in that bullpen who could usurp him, it seems unlikely. Uh, you know, Nabil, Nabil Krismat has some pretty good numbers. Uh, Luis Garcia, who got talked up as a potential closer candidate at the start of the year. You know, it, it seems like a stretch. I think Taylor Rogers is probably safe unless there is a trade or unless this continues for like another another week or so. All right, let's uh, let's get into some leftovers from Monday's action, and I'll run through a few pitchers here. Miles Michaelis has allowed three earned runs or fewer in sixteen of eighteen starts this season, and he was up against the Phillies. He gave up one run over seven and a third innings, five strikeouts, and he drops his ERA down to two point six two for the season. Max Scherzer. Looks awesome since returning. Uh, he went seven innings, mm-hmm. one run, nine strikeouts, to zero walks, 21 swinging strikes against the Braves. He averaged 95 miles per hour on his fastball. That's now two starts in a row where his velocity has been up. Uh, Max Freed, unusual lack of control on the other side of that start. He uh, he walked five over five innings pitched. He did have five strikeouts. Uh, ERA still 2.56 overall. Sean Manaya got back on track with a quality start in Coors Field. Six and a third, two runs, five strikeouts. Only had seven uh, swinging strikes. Really, really leaned into the sinker in this start. Um, his walks have been up this year, which is surprising because he's always had great control. So... That one's kind of interesting for me with Shalmaniya. And then uh, Merrill Kelly had a very strong start at the Giants. He went seven plus, two runs, four strikeouts. His ERA, 3.36. I know it's kind of been a rocky road, you know, some ups early, some downs. But overall, Merrill Kelly has uh, has been a viable pitching option. Scott, what do you think of these five, if, if you have anything? Merrill Kelly, Manaya, Freed, Scherzer, 
Michaelis. I think there's a good chance Max Freed winds up on the IL after this start. I mean, the five walks, he hadn't issued more than three in any start this season, and only one he had three. And the five were the most he's had in any start, I believe, since 2019. And remember, he la- he left his previous start either with uh, he left his previous start with a tight glute, and so I can't help but wonder if that was having an impact on him in in this start against the Mets. So he might need a little extra time off. Just don't be surprised if that happens. Okay. Uh, I expect Merrill Kelly and and Miles Michaelis. I know I say this basically every time they have a good start, but I expect them to regress. Not saying you shouldn't continue to roster them, use them when the matchups are right, especially Michaelis, but they both are going to finish with the RAs closer to four, I think. Uh, You know, it it might be hard for Michaelis to get there, but three, five for him, let's say. It goes up a run before season's end. A few other pitchers here. Man, Trevor Rogers. I, I know, unfortunately, we talk about him way too much, but he has now just one quality start in 17 tries. He was going up against a Pirates lineup that did not have Brian Reynolds on Monday, and he was just Trevor Rogers. Again, five yeah. and a third, three runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. It was one of his best starts of the year. I mean, there. the whiffs were up in this one, but man, it's. They're just there's not really any redeeming qualities right now, Scott, at nope. all. I mean, four and a half walks per nine, over a hit per inning this season. It's the swinging strikes are way down. It's it's just it's been a absolute disaster for Trevor Rogers this season, and he's still rostered in a lot of leagues, sixty nine percent. I think it's one of those things where people are just going down with the ship, right? Like they drafted <laughs> him as a top thirty starting pitcher, and they probably just don't want to let go. Could be it. Yes, I have. I would have moved on. I don't think I drafted him in any leagues. He was another one of my preseason bus picks. So, big day for patting myself on the back, apparently. <laughs> Could all change. There's another half a season to go. Famous last words, I guess. But, yeah, Trevor Rogers. Uh, I am out on him. Not forever, but not expecting a big turnaround this year. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but does this matter? Jose Urania has two quality starts with the Rockies. Does not matter. All right, nope. fair enough. Some hitting leftovers. Reese Hoskins went two for four with his 18th home run. And over his last 30 games, he's batting 324 with nine home runs. He has been amazing. Austin Riley has also been amazing. One for four with his 24th home run. That one came off of Max Scherzer. Manny Machado went two for five with his 15th home run. Now has three homers over his last five games. And Scott, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but... And there are a few different hitters that are in this discussion. I think Manny Machado has the sweetest swing in baseball right now. Not ever, obviously. I, you know, like Ken Griffey has probably the best swing ever. But is there anyone else that comes to mind off the top of your head? Sweetest swings in baseball. I'm putting you on the spot. I know. I know. I'm not good at these like superlatives <laughs> out of nowhere. I got to cycle through an yeah. entire database of names. To come to the one that few, is the most whatever. A few people responded with Yordan Alvarez. He has a pretty sweet swing too. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't even know necessarily what is meant by sweet swing. I mean, uh, of course, you you always hear that for Griffey. You just what, know it. What makes a sweet a swing sweet? You just know it when you see it, Scott. I mean, it's just it just I mean, looks is, so. Is pure. Shohei Otani's swing sweet? That's a pretty sweet swing. Yeah, I would say so. It's a pretty nice one. Yeah. It's just aesthetically pleasing. Is that yeah. the is that the idea? Machado just looks so effortless. You know, it's just the follow yeah. through everything. It's oh man. I, yeah, I can I can picture what you're talking about with him. Yeah, um, it's awesome. I'm not sure what to do with him. By the way, in the redraft of the first two rounds, that was that was one of the ones I was stressing over. Because remember, I had him like at the quarterway point of the season. I had him like going eighth overall. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Yeah. But, I, he's he's had a rough couple months. I think he's just kind of Manny Machado. Like he's probably just a second round pick, which yeah is fine for him. Uh, Corey Seager went one for four, hit his twentieth home run. We spoke about him a little bit earlier. Jake Cronenworth had a big game in Coors Field as well. He went three for four, hit his eighth home run of the season. 
The call to the bullpen for the Royals. Scott Barlow picked up his 14th save in game one of the doubleheader. I saw that he also pitched in game two. However, it was not a save opportunity. For the Pirates, uh, Yeri De Los Santos recorded the final four outs all via strikeout for his third save of the season. David Bednar pitched both on Saturday and Sunday. I don't think that the Pirates are going to trade David Bednar. In fact, no. I think people have already said that they're not going to do it. But just in case they do, De Los Santos, I think, is, well, is the next name up there. Yeri De Los Santos, you mentioned it was his third save. All have come in the last two weeks. So I'm wondering if he's kind of taken on that that role that they envisioned for Chris Stratton at the start of the season where he does spell Bednar more than the average closer gets spelled. Maybe. I, I know Bednar, I feel like he's been dealing with some kind of ailment recently and maybe they were giving him a few days off here and there. Might have been like a back thing or something, but I remember seeing something for David Bednar. Oh, he's an all-star, by the way. He is an Bednar. all-star. You know what? I hate watching baseball games now and they're like, this player could have been an all-star. This player could have. I'm watching the Mets game, and they're talking about Brandon Nimmo could have been an all-star. Like, they could have. I mean, I we mean, all could have been an all-star. Anybody could have been an all-star. I watched the yeah. Padres. They talk about yeah. Chris Matt, the reliever. He could have been an all-star. Yeah, like, how many all-stars do you want? I mean, you know, there's they're a finite amount. Oh, jeez. It's just so frustrating. Anyway, for the Mets, Edwin Diaz struck out the side for his 19th save. He has been amazing this season. For Tampa Bay, Colin Pochet. Pitched in the eighth inning with a two-run lead, and then Jason Adam pitched in the ninth. However, they tacked on a few more runs. That was with a five-run lead. Uh, Jason Adam does have the last two saves in Tampa Bay. For the Rangers, Brett Martin gave up a hit and a walk, but struck out two for his third save. And I don't know how long Joe Barlow is going to need this you know, mental break or whatever kind of break it is, but right now, Scott, Brett Martin is the closer of the Texas Rangers. Yeah, well, and they didn't refer to it as a mental break. They said they wanted to take stress off of him. So I, I'm not seeing it as a temporary thing. I mean, if everybody else stinks in the role, then maybe they put Barlow back in. But uh, I was happy to scoop up Martin in a bunch of leagues this weekend. I saw that you added him in the Dynasty League. How dare you? Yep. I probably could Dynasty have League, Memorial Mag, Tout Wars, Oof. TGFBI... Uh, um, my main event team. I just saw that. FBC. Mark, I'm not sure I got him in TGFBI, actually, but got him in a bunch of leagues. Mark Melanson just picked up his 12th save of the season. That game is over. The Diamondbacks won. That is his first save since June 3rd. <laughs> over a month of Mark Melanson getting you no saves. That is... Um, mm. Not great, Bob. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Tuesday. Daniel Cassano versus the Pirates. Chris Flexen at the Nationals. David Peterson at the Braves. Josh Winder versus the Brewers. Mitch White at the Cardinals. Adrian Sampson versus the Orioles. Uh, Jordan Lyles at the Cubs. Glenn Otto versus the A's. James Caprillion at the Rangers. And Bo Brisky at the Royals. Chris Flexen, and even more than him, I would say David Peterson despite it being at Atlanta. I think, mm. think you'll get a lot of whiffs against that lineup. I don't mind Glenn Otto or Adrian Sampson. Sampson has pitched well, and I, I still think the Orioles lineup is not great. For Wednesday, Brady Singer... Scott does not approve. Brady Singer <laughs> versus the Tigers. JT Brubaker at the Marlins. Connor Siebold at the Rays. Aaron Savali versus the White Sox. Spencer Watkins at the Cubs. And Justin Steele versus the Orioles. I guess Steele. I don't know. Brubaker. This is uh, this is choose the form of your destructor. I think <laughs> choose and perish. The Marlins without Solaire and Jazz Chisholm. I could basically get behind streaming anybody against them right now. So okay, JT Brubaker, he's somebody. Team name Tuesday. This one's from Robert. I like my sugar with coffee and. Kramer. Spelled like Kramer, Dean Kramer. Dean Kramer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I probably not impressed, but okay. Probably should have said Kramer. From Colin, Judge Drury and Exa Clevenger. Oof. Oof. That's a rough one. Well. Uh, mm, it's okay. <laughs> I mean I mean getting Judge and Drury on the same team, if if you happen to have them on the team, maybe just name them after it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that Exa Clevenger, such a stretch. I don't know. Makes me say oof. 
uh, for I'm pretty the- hard with team. By the way, I do this with my own team names, which is why I usually don't give my team a clever name <laughs> anymore. I just uh, keep the same name for years because I'm like, ah, it's so hard to think of a new one that I actually like. Mm-hmm. I yeah. have I, I have one in my home league. I did something with George Kirby. What did I make that? Uh, oh, Kirby, your enthusiasm. And then I have an avatar of, of Kirby. Although I've never watched Kirby, your enthusiasm. So mm. I'm just a big phony. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, uh, it made sense. Well, you don't like life. Seinfeld. So that's. Uh, oh, God. Seinfeld. I don't mind that. I don't mind that uh, team name. That's a pretty good team name. Thank you. Uh, this one's also from Colin for Kid Cudi fans out there. Mr. Solo Lodolo. I like it. I, you okay. get my approval. From uh, David, in honor of Wander Franco only getting one hit per night when he was healthy. One hit Wander. Yeah. I like that. From uh, Robert, from uh, the rough to the green, Birdie. What? Mm. I, think okay. it's, I think it's just a golf reference. Although he wrote Birdie as in like the way you spell a Birdie in golf, but I think you also could have just used John Birdie. That would have completed it. Oh, is that? Okay. Yeah, I was, I was trying to figure out if... if if birdie was part of the, the cleverness or not. Okay. Yeah, okay. It, yeah. If you have, yeah. If you get rough and green and birdie all in there, that's a pretty good one from Michael Mo Moniac, Mo problems. I mean, Heath has ruined that whole naming <laughs> convention for me. Like they just all sound terrible now because of Yasmani money, Tomas problems. Come on. Oh gosh. That is, <laughs> that's, that's a real throwback there. Yeah. That's, that's uh. That's a long team name. And this last one's from Joel. Polar Bear Express. Classic. Oh, because of uh, Pete Alonso. Okay. Yes. Who will be in the Home Run Derby once again, along with Ronald Acuna, uh, Albert Pujols. I think Juan Soto is going to be in it, but whatever. Yeah, Pete Alonso is an all-star. I won't be watching it because I will be in Aruba somewhere. And spoiler alert, but I will not be here for the podcast next week. So... I'll let you know more about that as the week goes on. But we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.